all of a sudden one day we get a call. Hey, you guys come, come to the ranch. And we're like, oh, this is awesome, you know? Yeah. So like... we jump in the truck and we head in there. And I just remember feeling like, oh, you know, I, I've finally been called. I finally, you finally watched enough TV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, now you're worthy. <laughs> don't, don't tell anybody. <laughs> that was supposed to be a secret. <laughs> but anyway, I remember the reason I remember the TV so well is because we were watching uh, Dirty Jobs by uh, oh, Mike Rowe. Yeah, I, I, love that I, I love that. Of um, course you're watching Dirty Jobs. Yeah. <laughs> it's work, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's like, how can I get better at work? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I can build Zion. Yeah. Exactly. And anyway, it was just, it was so interesting because we got called there and I remember we, we lived at our grandpa's house at the time. So I went there and we hung out with our dad and I hadn't seen him for a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he was under all this stress too. Uh, anyway, so I moved there and I fit right in, you know, pretty well. And then at, later on, someone come to me and there, yeah, I think it was my dad. He's like, Hey, you can go across the street and get the trainings. Don't tell anybody you're doing this, but you need to go listen to all of the trainings that had been given. So this is trainings from Warren Jeff. Yeah. So these were like, so you were at the ranch at that point mm-hmm. though. And how old were you when that happened? I, on my 16th birthday, I moved to the ranch. Okay. So I'll 16th always birthday. remember that. Okay. 16th birthday, you moved to the ranch. Mm-hmm. And what were you doing when you first got there? So the very first thing I remember doing was I went and stacked a bunch of old Simon forms. Okay. And it was just this big yard and it's clear full of these forms. And I'm like, wow. But it was such a pleasure for me to go do these. Right. Anyway, so I go and I start stacking these forms by hand. And they're, you know, you, I don't know if you know what Simon forms are, but. I, I'm assuming concrete? Yeah, big concrete okay. metal forms. And I'm yeah. like this 16 year old kid. So I'm, you know, strong and everything. So anyway, I start stacking forms. And uh, my dad was on and off the ranch at this time. And things started changing there as well. So I'm stacking forms, I'm doing all this other stuff, and then I started working in the ready mix there, because that's what I did growing up. My dad owned a ready mix company. So I remember driving the mixer truck around and helping pour concrete. And this was all within the range, the compound. Yeah, we didn't go anywhere off of that. So so time out really fast here. Before you were allowed to do any of this work and do any of the things you're talking about now, did you have to go listen to these trainings? so that was what, but what happened is I started listening to them and then they're like, you know what, we need you, so just come to work. But previously, before that, when people went there, they had to sit in a room and listen to every single one of those before they could even come out. How many were there? How long did that take? um, It was hours and it was probably, I don't know, if you listened to them consistently, it probably would have taken you, I don't know, two, three weeks. Oh my word. And for it you, was, for those of you that have heard Warren, Warren Jeff's speak. voice, his speak and his manner of speaking, imagine listening to that for weeks or days on end. I right. just remember, and it was really bad to fall asleep. I just remember like getting them and just sleeping pretty much through all of them. Wow. So, and were they, what kind of trainings? Were they trainings about the kind of job you were supposed to be doing or were they more like preaching they were more like how to, and a lot of it was about the United Order, a lot of it was how to be a better person. And what was interesting about it is you hear a lot of these success gurus that are out here. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was discipline. It really was. So he had a lot of good things in there. I learned a lot of great things going through those. Um, but it was it was mostly just about discipline, about respecting your elders. And, you know, most of it was about morals, you know. Not mm-hmm. how to not think a bad thought, how to do this, and it was mm-hmm. mostly stuff about that. Right. Yeah, okay. about the separation between man and woman, 
and and even later on down the road, like the wives and, and the husbands couldn't sleep together. They couldn't even I, sleep I, in the I same heard room. That. I mean, it was it was they would shake each other's hands in. Well, passing. And even that they couldn't. They later on down the road that you couldn't do that. Not even shake yeah, hands. Yeah, not even shake hands. It was no touching, zero. Oh my word! And this wasn't just in the ranch. This was for this was, everyone. This was later on, but like in the ranch, that's this started happening. Oh, okay. So, and this so, was after Warren had already. Warren was already in prison. Yeah. So all of these trainings were before he actually went to prison. Okay, so the trainings so, were from before, mm-hmm. but all the rules and that kind of stuff, like the crazy rules with the between husbands and wives, was already yeah that that got implemented there first, and okay. then from there it went down back to the crypt. Um, but from there, I remember I listened to all of those, and then I became the guy that would go suck out all of the uh, the septic tanks around the ranch. Oh, so job. yeah, yeah. So I became <laughs> that guy. So I went. I remember going and doing that. I went and sucked out all of the septic tanks. I'd go dump it in the sewer pond, and then after that, I became like a drove one of those big uh, haul trucks because we were building the sewer ponds at the time. Wow. Um, and then after that, then they said, "Okay, we need you to go back to work." So I went back to work for the concrete company there, and we actually left the ranch, and I worked. I went to work in. Uh, let's see. I believe it was San Diego at the time. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So every time you guys went to work, or they, we you know, because it sounds like multiple times you yeah. move somewhere and then they say go back to work. Yeah. Was it? Did you know that the intention was like I have to go work just to make money to send back to the church see, so I they could keep yeah. doing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We we knew that's what was going on, and but we loved it. We were like, yes, you know, we get to go provide for the families because that's what they were telling you. Okay, you're going to provide for these families, which half of those families are yours. You know, those are your siblings. Yeah. You need to go out and provide for them. So I remember we would we would head out, we would go, and they would give us these little pecs cards. They would call them, and I remember we had a. Uh, a hundred dollars a week to spend on our food and everything hmm. and so even going to all these places you know we went to to uh california we were working there we couldn't really we weren't supposed to go anywhere we we're supposed to go to work and straight back home well yeah 100 bucks that's barely going to cover food yeah and and that's kind of what it was too and and so even me growing up we didn't really get paid i remember and if we did get paid the our paychecks would usually go to our families to keep our families sustained. So, and would the paychecks come through your hands, or sometimes they would uh, with different with different companies. I know there okay. was a lot of companies that wouldn't even give them to you because right. then you would take it and go spend it on yourself, which that's a bad thing. Yeah. So <laughs> you wouldn't want to actually be able to do something yeah, for yourself exactly. with the money that you uh, earned. And, 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 and if much. you did get the money, you wouldn't know what to do. You'd probably go buy a car or something because right. that was what was cool. So truck, I had a, you get a truck, a truck and get it yeah. lifted and get the tent, right? Like, so getting a, lot of, a lot of the men out yeah. there, including myself, we had more freedom than that. We would get our paycheck and then it was just expected of us to mm-hmm. give a certain amount of that to our families. So when I very first went to work, that's how it was. Okay. But then later on, then they says, okay, Everything. this, this can no longer happen. You know, you're, you were no longer even getting a paycheck. It's going straight into what? Well, and once you're at the and that probably, buy-in, right? Yeah, then, yeah, yeah. And that probably happened with my family as well later on. Late, yeah. Had left. Right. After I had moved out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of that did. Uh, but anyway, going back to the, the ranch there. So we went to work off the ranch mm-hmm. and we started working in like San Diego I remember working in uh, New Mexico, a uh, bunch of different places. I can't remember them all, but it was all over the United States. We'd just travel there, we'd work, and then we'd come back to the ranch every two weeks. So these places you were working, were they 
compounds of the church or were they just random places that the company had a job? No, they were random places. They were like, uh, so what we would do is Walmarts. We would do Walmart slabs and things like that. Okay. And we were already like really hard workers because mm-hmm. that's how we grew up. So we would go right. just bust out a job really quick. Everybody was like, oh, you guys are so awesome. I've Everybody. never seen... I've never people seen work like that. people work this hard. Get it done so fast. Yeah, and, yeah. But that's all we were doing. Um, so anyway, we I remember we built places in like five Walmarts in Tucson. Wow. Um, we built Walmarts everywhere. That, that's what we did. In we southern, just following them around. In southern Utah, like where I grew up, and it was outside the community, but it was still well known that like if you could get the polygamous guys to be in any part of the construction process, you were going to have like a better home and it was going to be done faster. And they were just like hard workers. Like everybody in Southern Utah yeah. and probably in Northern Utah too knew that you wanted the polygamous construction companies because they we, were going to be solid and we would work do the best long work. hours. We would work holidays. We would work weekends. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is true. And we would work really hard because yeah. unlike the normal person that if they, once they get done with work, they can go home and do something they want to do. No, when we were done, when, <laughs> when we were done working, we would just had to go back and and do something that we were told to do. Yeah, and so it was it was kind of liberating to be out on a job site, and, right? It was, it was, and, and the interesting thing about that is I remember I took a week off. It was the first time I remember taking a week off of work. Um, it's because one of my moms got cancer. Mm. Um, anyway, well, she I I think she's better now. I don't I don't really have contact with them anymore, but. Uh, I remember I took a week off and I just felt like I was, I didn't even know how to feel. I'm like, what do I do with my time? I have no clue when no one's telling me what to do. All I do is low fear and I don't do anything. I don't feel like doing anything. I have zero goals mm-hmm. in life. I, the only goal I had in life was to pay my truck payment, you know? <laughs> so I remember that. I remember that taking that week off and I just, I felt nothing. I'm like, I got to get back to work. And I was like, yeah. I was antsy. I'm like, That's all you know how to uh, do. what do I do? What do I do? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Now, when you were at the Zion Ranch, and you said you were going back every two weeks and mm-hmm. stuff, at this point, since the raid had already happened, what was the feeling and the vibe there? Were like, was there just a ton of fear, or was it like work has to continue as normal because Warren's in prison, right? The raid had already happened, so you guys knew that was a possibility that could happen again. Mm-hmm. What kept everyone like motivated to continue on with the project, like to continue trying to like build Zion? So without a profit or without, I, I guess what what kept us going was we were told that he was going to be liberated. Oh, he okay. was told if we would work hard enough, if we would prepare enough, he was going to come back and rescue us. Exactly. And it doesn't didn't matter where we were at; he was going to find us and and get us. Right. And he okay. was going to bring us back if we, you know, stayed in touch with with God with with Heavenly Father. We were going to be called back. So and gotcha. put on your shoulders to be righteous enough 100 percent. yeah and even originally when he was caught we all felt like it was our responsibility that he had gotten caught because we had not prepared enough gotcha Mm -hmm. so at the the ranch the vibe was uh that everyone was just gonna work harder we were giving these given these deadlines if everyone worked hard enough we would be called back or he would be called back and we would be lifted up or whatever you know we were we were taught that we had control of the heavenly fire and all of that where oh, yeah. the the actual boundaries of the ranch were going to be lit up with fire and no one was going to be able to penetrate it oh wow so i have not heard that one yeah, yet so. oh that yeah and this was real to me so one of the things so going back to to work we worked in, until a certain time and then they said okay everyone who is part of the ranch is called back 
and that's when they kind of closed it all off again. Mm-hmm. And they no longer allowed just anyone on because for a time there they were allowing whoever on. And then they rededicated all the buildings hmm. and closed everything back off again. And then I just remember I was mostly, because by this time my dad was the, the bishop there. And so I've, what was really awesome about my dad is one thing is he never, to my knowledge, never took advantage of people or anything. Like even with us, he would make yeah. us work harder than anyone else. He would not give us anything out of the storehouse. We had to go work for that. Mm. So I take my hat off to him for that. Yeah, well, there were a lot of really good men and women out there. there that's, was. That's, that's for sure. I mean, they were just doing what they were told to do, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and, uh, they believed. Trying to live their life the best they could. So I don't, I don't doubt for a second that he was just trying to live the best life he could. And, and he was. Um, but going back to that, anyway, so I would get called to be on guard duty a lot. So we oh, had okay. this guard gate at the front of the 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 ranch that would look all the way down that big long road. I don't know if you guys remember that. I've seen that. it in only in videos and Just, in the documentaries and stuff. The long yeah, road. Big long. It's like yeah. a two mile road. Yeah, I've never been there in person, so okay. I've only seen videos. But I just remember I would get called to be in this guard tower and so I would be sitting there and it had video cameras all over and we started listening to stories and stuff and that was really bad because stories were bad. So we would somehow, someone would send us a story or something and I just remember listening to stories and things like that. Watch out for those podcasts and yeah. those YouTubers. Uh-huh. <laughs> Don't listen that, to podcasts. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. Caution. Yes. But I just remember spending night after night after night there and looking out there and then someone calling, hey, uh, this is so-and-so you know, coming back and I would have to, sometimes I'd look through the list or I would have to call in to make sure they were, they on were the list. on the list to get in. Hmm. So <clears throat> most of the time it was, it was other people would come to the gate to deliver things. And I would try to coordinate that to make sure that someone went out there and got that, you know, pick that stuff up. But, and then after that, then they would put me on other duties. Like there was a big hill in the ranch <clears throat> We would go sit up there in our pickups, and we would just have a view of the entire property. Wow. And I remember getting my binoculars on and just looking at everything. If you see some like, kind of a little light or something. See someone sneaking out their window. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. Oh, but uh, we would be up on that, and we'd be looking down. We would be looking for anybody and everybody, and we'd try to mm-hmm. you know kind of document everything, make sure everything was going on. And... I don't remember this, but I think that if anything happened, you were supposed to write it down and fill out some kind of a, a report okay. or something like that. Yeah. Um, so there was that, and then there was another person that would do inside the ranch. So there was four or five different uh, security details. Wow. So there was the one in the tower. There was the one that would do the perimeter. Mm-hmm. There was a road all the way around. You would either be in a pickup truck or you'd be on uh, one of those four-wheelers. Okay. And you'd... Just drive, loop yeah, around. loop around all night long. Was that to keep people out or to keep people in? I, I, it was. We were told it was to keep people out. And the thing is, is everybody that was there wanted to be there. Okay. Like they felt like it was a this great calling that they got told to to be a part of it. Gotcha. So we would we would loop around, and then we had someone that would stay inside the perimeter where the community was itself, and they would just drive up and down every single road all night long. Just sit there and drive, you know, back and forth. So, because, I mean, not only the perimeter, but also within the community, were they nervous that someone had jumped the wall or something? And yeah, there was people that would jump the wall all the time. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. so there was actually people. Uh, they caught a group of people coming in one time, and then they would get them, gather them up, and then call the cops. 
And wow. A people, a, like, a group of just. Sometimes they were like illegal aliens from the border. You know, one time they caught like a whole group of them coming across. Oh, really? And they, and they, they didn't realize the, they were on your property? Yeah, or? and even one time they had stolen a pickup inside there. They got all the way in and they stole a pickup and they were driving off and, and they caught them. Yeah. So there was there was actually a lot of stuff going on. More than what you yeah. would think. And even later on down the road, I had heard stories about people sneaking back in to come and hang out with their wives and stuff that never did get caught. And they're like, you guys should beef your security up. But they were part of it, so they knew what to do to get in and out. They were, yeah, yeah. They were sneaky. Okay. Well, so, I'm going to sneak to go see your wife. Yeah, yeah. That, so that's that you exactly. can shake her hand in secret. <laughs> so so let's say you're you're doing the loops, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you run across someone that shouldn't be there. What do you do? Like, do you so just, that, just... this is where we were told that we had this, you know, the spirit of God. We could do whatever we wanted. We could command heavenly fire to come down and burn that person. Okay, so you see someone, you're oh. like, you're like, the force. Yeah, yeah, use the force. But <laughs> but it, it was a, a real thing to us. And, and what they told us, they were like, be careful with what you say because that will happen. Okay. Wow. And it was, it was real. It was so real to us that we were. We were very careful with our wording, with everything like that because we didn't know what was going to happen. Hmm. But we were told all of these great things were going to happen. Yeah, if they could. If you have that kind of power, then mm-hmm. you need to be very cautious with it, right? One hundred percent. So that that was a pretty interesting story about that. Um, and then I remember you telling me that we, that you guys wanted to talk a little bit about the United Order and stuff. Yes. Yeah. So at what point? So I remember being on the ranch, and then we got some other different and new trainings about the United Order. So there was a storehouse and what they would tell us to do was they says, you need to take every single belonging you have, mm-hmm. take it to the storehouse, write it down, and then whatever you get told you can take, that's what you can take and you have to leave everything else so there. So this happened on the ranch as well. Yeah. Because yeah. this also has... happened in Hilldale's and So Colorado this happened City. at the ranch mm-hmm. a lot long a lot sooner than it happened at Hilldale. Like so it's t- like it would, so like they were trial. already living consecration. Yeah. Which makes sense because the history of the church in Joseph Smith was the law of consecration. And mm-hmm. the early saints did try to do that themselves and it didn't work it, out. It, mm-hmm. it seemed like <laughs> But everywhere. they tried that as well. And it is something that, you know, Zion's supposed to be able to do that. So I'm not surprised that they tried to do that at yeah. the early stage. And it seemed like everywhere that that, that would fail. It, it just failed every single time. Mm-hmm. And... But it was almost like you had to 100% live it or you wouldn't get anything back. And there would be certain people that would take advantage of it. So certain people would be living like kings and the rest of us would be, you know, living like peasants. Yeah, I was going to say, who got to decide that? And it was the person in charge. Okay, so that person in charge gets to decide and then basically they become... Yeah. The person hmm. who decides so, how everybody lives. 100%. And, and you couldn't, I remember, you couldn't go into the storehouse and, and get certain things. You had to request them. And so they would know who was requesting certain things. And also it was pretty free for all too. You'd walk in there and at the early stages of it, there was a lot of money going around. So we had nice things to choose from. You know, we'd walk in there. It was like a store. You would get whatever you needed and then you'd write it down. And it was actually really nice when it was stocked. Hmm. And there was certain things that you couldn't you couldn't get that you'd have to request, you know, like uh, sometimes I think it was shoes, certain pieces of clothing and things like that. Or like say that your truck needed fixed, then you would you would write that down and then 
we had the mechanic and he would fix our stuff. We have some slips, actually. We have some oh, of the really? slips we, from Hildale. We have them in the other room. I have yeah. some that oh, from people so awesome. asking for like um, cinder blocks. Like we need a wall around our house. Yeah. Requesting for the cinder blocks. And and they would they would put all that together and then yeah. come and do it. And so I remember sweet. being called to do certain requests for people like move some rocks into their place so that they could have some nice landscaping and things like that. So really, if you did live it right, it, it could have been really awesome. You know, it could have been very freeing and everybody would have lived together. But the problem with it was is certain people would request certain things and then they, they were always out. So we never got to experience those. Yeah. Um, it's I a great remember, hypothetical. It is. It is. Right. And I remember like shampoo and stuff like that. You could only get a week's worth. So that's all you could ever get. You could never go buy a big bottle of shampoo and just get it and just have it for a month. You know, it's like you had to only get a week's worth. So you could only ever have a week's worth. So so you, I assume all the, the the men that would go to work would just give all their money to the church. And then mm-hmm. the church would go out and stock up the, the, the storehouse. Is that how it yeah. worked out? And then if you needed something, you... So was there anything... Food as well? You have to- yeah. Every, so the, it was really awesome because when it was working great, you'd go in there and there was just food. You could go pick out whatever you wanted. Okay. So, but the problem was a lot of people became greedy and they're like, oh, this, you know, this is awesome because I could just come and get whatever I want. And so that's why it ended up failing, I believe. Yeah. Was, mm-hmm. was because people got greedy. People had a lot. Some people had a lot and some people had mm-hmm. none. Right? Yeah, that's true. And that's, that, that seems to happen a lot in life. When you're trying to distribute <laughs> evenly, exactly. you're going to have problems. Exactly. Right. So... Yeah, hmm. that's so interesting. How long did that last before they were like, this can't be sustainable? Um, I think we did it for almost two years. Wow. And the, the problem with it was is once everything kind of fell apart and we, we got sent away from the, the ranch, we moved to, uh, back to Colorado, back to where we were living before. Oh. Our whole entire family moved out of, out of Colorado City back to there. Was it just your family that left the ranch and went, or did everybody get kicked out of the ranch at the same time? Um, the, I remember the church no longer owns the ranch. Yeah, right? I remember we got kicked out, and then a little while later, everybody else just slowly got kicked out, where there was no one left. Well, kicked out by the by the law enforcement. No, they were kicked out by Everyone. the church. Yeah, yeah. So because that, at the, to to date, the church does not own that. They don't anymore, but I think everyone got kicked out of there before the church actually lost it. So oh, Warren okay. was moving people back out. Yeah. So he's like, well, you guys haven't been righteous enough to free me from prison, so that, you know what? Screw all you guys. I'm sending you all back. That's exactly what happened, is, <laughs> is, is we were told. So I we was got, being a little sarcastic, No, that, that, was that that was right. And, and what happened Sad. is we just get this little slip of paper. And we read it and it says, you guys are no longer allowed on the ranch. You need to go repent from afar. Oh, my word. But like, I have no clue what we even did. You took too much cereal from the storehouse. Yeah, probably. That's, that's... Two weeks worth of shampoo. You're out. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably exactly what happened. But I remember we all got sent away, but our dad was the bishop, so he stayed there. And we didn't realize this either, but he also had gotten sent away at the same time. So he gets kicked out, but he had to stay there for a month to help everyone kind of gather together. And so they could figure out what was going on. Right. Um, So he actually ended up staying there and we all moved to Colorado. So your whole family moved from from the ranch back to Colorado Mm -hmm. State, not to confuse Colorado City. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. to Colorado State. Uh Uh, What happened though is, is the rest of our family that was still living at Colorado City moves to 
Colorado the state, and then all the people from the ranch move to Colorado or the Yearning for Zion Ranch. Mm-hmm. They move from there to Colorado. Okay. So then our entire family's living in this little, it's like a two double wide stitched together. Oh There's 60 of us. And that's when oh the barn word. stuff was, where we'd be living out in the barn. And then what ended up happening, we're like, look, this isn't working out. I think I'm 18 at this time. So I'm like, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm gonna, we're going to move to New Mexico, just the boys, and we're going to start working for our dad again. So I remember we moved there and I became a truck driver. Okay. Um, I started driving truck for my dad and then we started, it's back when the, the steel prices were way up. Mm-hmm. And we started scrapping. So I would go from door to door, I was out on the Indian reservation. I'd go from door to door and we would pick up cars, load them on trailers, and it was like me and my, my older brother, we would do this. Uh, we'd load them on trailers and take them down to Phoenix from New Mexico and get the, the scrap money. I remember we were making like 10000 So you're on the Indian, wow. Indian Reservation going to their homes and, yeah. a, and asking, asking for to old get, cars. So can mm-hmm. we just take this off your hands? Yeah, we would, we would pay them 20 bucks. Okay. So we were getting about 50 bucks a car. We'd pay them $20 and then we'd show up and pick the car up and take it and go scrap it. So that's how we started living. That's how we supported, or we started supporting our family that was living in Colorado. Wow. Interesting. Um, but there was a, I don't know what it was, but it was, Lee Steed had a little storehouse um, out by, I can't remember the little town's name, but it's out by Pueblo as well. So in Colorado State? Yeah. Okay. And we would go there to get our, our commodities, everything that we needed. So you're still kind of living that that uh, order, yeah. In the in that same yeah. way, okay. Um, but we would go there and pick up all of our food and bring it back. But what happened is our, the rations started going lower and lower and lower, and we're like, uh, uh, we've got to live. So that's when all the boys went to work, okay. and we went to work in New Mexico, and then from there we started working. I actually went back to work for the construction company I was working before, and that's when I started moving all over the country again. Okay, gotcha. and go ahead. Oh no! I so, just, no, go ahead. <laughs> so many questions. Everybody, everybody at once. Everybody at once. Um, so at that point, when your family's in Colorado and you're making money for your family, did you still think that there was like a chance, or was everybody still hoping that they could go back to Zion in Texas? Like, was that the goal? Like, when you're kicked out and you're told you need to repent, did everyone think, okay, now we just have to be more righteous so we can get back? That's exactly what it was, is, okay. is we had failed to bring him out of prison. We had failed to have the faith to bring him out of prison. So now we've got to go back to work, and we've got to start all over again and try to bring him out. But mm-hmm. Sounds exhausting. It was, and, and there was uh, always this, this fear going on. There was everything going on at once. Um, but we didn't know what was going on at all. But after that, Lee Steed ended up leaving. It was around this time. Lee Steed leaves. Uh, he they, they seized our property there. So we moved back to Colorado City. We moved back into the Joseph Steed house. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. So we lived there for a little while. And then after that, we moved up to the Lewis Barlow house. Okay. So then you spent quite a bit of time back in Colorado mm-hmm. City. That's a, cool, that's a crazy yeah. full circle. It like, was. So we're, then we're living at the Lewis Barlow house. And then they evict us out of there. And that's when everybody split up. That's when my mom, I, I remember we rented my mom a house and it was up in Cedar City. And then all the other moms got houses rented for them as well. So then we're all split up and we're just living everywhere and I'm out working. And that's when I finally decided, look, I can't support my mom. So I went to work for a different construction company uh, that was working in Denver. And then from there I went 
to a place in Salt Lake City, worked mm-hmm. for Wadsworth Brothers. Okay. And that's wow. about the time we were working there. That's about the time when I finally left. I was 23 at the time. And I just, I couldn't support my mom. I couldn't, you know, I, it was just, it was so overwhelming. I was mm-hmm. having all these different emotions about everything. I'm like, look, life is no fun. You know, I was living out on the road. I, I had my RV and I just lived by myself. Wow. And I'm out there working with people I didn't know. And you were still supposed to be supporting your family. Yeah. And, and I remember I was still paying for my mom's rent. Um, I remember paying for everyone's cell phones that were in my mom's little At group. 23. Yeah. So I had about $150,000 worth of debt at this time, you know, so oh, it was my, an RV that I had bought and a truck that I had bought and renting a home and doing all this stuff where if I would have been smart, I would have driven a little car mm-hmm. and I would have bought in a house because the value would have just gone up and up and up. Right. And I would have put my mom in that little house, but you know, we weren't taught to buy homes. Because we were taught at any moment we're going to get called back, so we no. can't with the buy. Of time to move. Yeah, we can't buy anything permanent. No, we're we're because we're going to be, get called back at any second. But anyway, after this, I'm I'm out working on I eighty. We were building these uh, little crossings out on I eighty, and I just got sick and tired of that. I'm like, look, I'm. I'm kind of done with this. I'm done going back and forth and trying to live two separate lives. Because by then I had just started listening to music and and oh, I'm 23 at the time a rebel wow. yeah and so then I moved to Salt Lake and I meet this girl she was also in the church too and we started seeing each other and it got a little bit more and more and more and I, you know I remember up in Heber City and I had my first kiss and all of that and it wow. was like I'm like, 23 oh, there's, more to, there's more to you life are. than just work man yeah I'm, I'm 23 at the time and that's finally I'm like whoa this is awesome you know like I feel like I'm finally being a rebel because I was the most the most loyal follower up until this it time it sounds like it I was yeah, and I was you did all I things. was living to the exact T um anyway so I remember when I first you know discovered this girl we started seeing each other and we ended up being like, okay, we're going to leave. And I remember I'm in the, uh, the Little America Hotel in Utah mm-hmm. when we finally, you know, left. And I remember she went down to Colorado City where she was living and she would sneak in into a certain little room and call me and we would talk for hours. And it was so secret. And mm-hmm. this is like way down the road where she's my, she's. 22 or 23 at the time and i'm 23 i think she was a little bit almost a year younger than i was okay and so she would sneak down and she would call me and then she's like okay i'm ready to leave this is dumb i'm i'm sick of this wow so what she did is is i had my sister drive a vehicle down to colorado city saying hey uh one of my buddies needs to drive this so she dropped it off for me and then they went back to cedar city where they were living at the time and I remember she went out and got the vehicle, loaded all of her stuff up in it in the middle of the night, and she wow. sneaks off to Salt Lake. Wow. And anyway, her mom was heartbroken. Her mom hated me forever after that. I can uh, imagine. My mom, the same thing. I remember when I very first did it, I, you know, really bad. But after that, I was trying to make ends meet. And uh, I remember I was going to get a, a tax return because that's what we were, you know, we would do whatever with our taxes and you know, try to support everyone. So I remember I was going to use my mom's kids as, in de- as dependents so I could get my tax return. <laughs> and it was right when I left. So she's like, nope, you are no longer getting these. 
And that's when I finally like, wow, reality hit me. I'm like, I'm on my own. There's no one or nothing to come and save me. And I ended up ruining my credit. I remember defaulting on like over $150,000 worth of stuff. Wow. And, and, you know, I'm 23 at the time. So I wiped my credit out and I'm like, oh, you know what? I've got to, I got to go to work. I've got to figure out how to, and I didn't know anyone at the time. And all I knew how to do was construction, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I moved to Colorado with a buddy of mine back to Denver. And wait, so what happened to the girl? She moves with me. Okay. She, she lives okay. with okay. me now at this time. And then okay. she, we got in my, my RV and we moved to, to uh, so it's a, this pool behind. So I, I hook it on my truck and then we moved to uh, Colorado. Okay. okay. So we're back living in Colorado. Colorado back to Colorado. Yeah, back to Colorado. <laughs> and I lived there for a little while and then I'm like, okay, this isn't fun at all because I was making, you know, 25 bucks an hour, but I couldn't work because it's wintertime mm-hmm. and we're working outside. So I'm like, this isn't working at all. So I moved to North Carolina. I'm just like, okay, I'm moving to North Carolina. <laughs> I, I go out You're and like, I start. You're like, I finally have freedom. I'm going to move wherever I want uh, yeah, and do whatever was, I want. Yeah, this was after I had moved a lot of other places. So we moved to, to North Carolina for a couple months and I was just in such a bad state of mind mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm having such this negative outlook on life that I gain all of this weight, you know, and I'm there for a long time. And I'm like, you know what, this isn't working. So I moved back to Colorado and I work. I go to work for a buddy of mine. Uh, and then I worked for him for about a year and a half to two years. And I'm like, look, this isn't working between me and the girl. Uh, we, you know, I was, I was just a really toxic person at the time, had a really negative outlook on life because I had ruined my credit. I didn't feel like I had done anything with my life. I just mm. felt so negative. And you didn't have the skills to be able to I, do I, more. Which... I did have those, but I didn't have the motivation. I oh, just okay. was not motivated. There was just nothing there. Like I felt like life had just, I felt like I'd given up on it. Like I didn't want anything, you know. Mm. Can I ask you another question too before we get too much further? When you first left and your girl left and everything, at that time, when you decided to leave, did you, um, I know you were, you know, leaving because you wanted to experience more in life. Did you not believe in the church? Did you not believe in Warren Jeffs anymore? Or did you still believe Warren Jeffs was a prophet, but you just felt like there was more to life? Because that was Sam's situation, but everyone's a little different. So just... No, with, with my situation, I believed in it 100%. Yep. Okay. Yep. Like up until <laughs> even a couple months ago, I had still believed in this. And I think after watching some stuff, I had finally put that to rest where I'm like, you know what? I don't really believe in that anymore. Um, I, I believe I was taken advantage of in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Uh, but anyway, going back to your question, the reason I left is because I wanted to go experience life. I wanted to go have a family. That was really all I wanted. I want, I mean, you know, I don't know how much detail you get on into your show, but like, you know, I didn't ever get to have sex growing up. Right. I was 23, yeah. and I'm finally like, I don't know, like my testosterone levels were out the roof. I'm like, <laughs> and yeah. and I don't know how deep you guys want to go into any of this, but like Whatever even that, comfortable with, but yeah. like I never, I never even masturbated. I did not even know what that was. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't do that until I was 23. Like I never yeah. even masturbated until then. Yeah, yeah, just doing everything no, that you were told, right? Like, and, and so I, I don't know if you would know, but like my hormones were out the roof. I had oh. no clue what to do with all this energy, but yet I didn't want to do anything. All I could think about all the time was was a girl. That's all I could think about, and that was the reason I left. Like I still believed a hundred percent in it, but I wanted to have a family. And as you continued and you were saying that like you were just having a hard time with attitude or, you know, being in the right headspace, do you feel like 
that was partially because you still believed this and that you were living a, another. Like, I feel like anytime there's a, a dissonance between what you feel like you should be doing, right? All these shoulds are mm -hmm. still probably in your head. Yeah. And what you want to be doing, that can cause a lot of conflict and make it hard for anybody to be able to live a happy life. And, and that's exactly what it was, is I was so conflicted in my head that it, it took me to a place where I could not make a decision. I no longer could make any decision in my life. I felt like I no longer had control over it because the only thing that was holding me together was the negativity. Like, yep. I felt like a victim. I'm like, oh, I am taken advantage of this and that and the other. But I still believed in it 100%. Yep. That's very similar to the way I was. I, st I mean, well, I don't know that I believed it 100%, maybe like 98. <laughs> See, I was starting to have my questions. Yeah. Uh, but, but when I moved out, it was because I wanted to experience life. I, I wanted a different lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be able to, like you said, make some decisions on who I wanted to marry and all those things. And uh, so anyway, but it, and I was younger, I was 18 when I moved out. So you lasted a lot longer than I did. <laughs> yeah, but I can understand that would be like a crazy, a lot of conflict to still be working out when you're not leaving because you don't believe in the profit anymore when you're leaving and you're like, this is what I want. That's what I should be doing. Yeah. And, and that's why all of the conflict, but going, going back to what we did. So I ended up splitting up with the girl. Um, and that was the next hardest thing next to leaving. You know, because it was the only girl I had ever really fallen in love with. So I moved from there. I moved down to uh, Sacramento. And I lived in Sacramento for two years. And from, from there, I, I'd actually gotten to be pretty successful in Sacramento. I was making really good money. I'd met a lot of good people. But the problem with it was is I still had a lot of negative thoughts about myself. I was mm. still working on myself a lot. I... I went back into solitude, I guess, into myself. Mm. And I lived out on this, this 40, 45 acre place on like a 6,000 square foot house. But it was most of the time just me living there by myself. Wow. Mm. And all I wanted to do was work. That's all I thought about. So during this time, I, I, I feel like I kind of found myself where I lost all of the weight that I had gained. I, I think I lost upwards of 70 pounds. Wow. Uh, and I was making really good money. I was a, a foreman for a big crew. So I felt like life was just going my way. But then as I got further and further down the road, I'm like, look, I'm, I need some kind of a girl. You know, this this isn't working for me. Yeah, you I, want more out of life. You don't want to be work. lonely. Yeah. 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 And, and that that's what happened. And during this time, I, I went through all these different emotions. I mean, it went clear down into suicide and I even attempted it a few times. Like it was really, really bad. Um, this is when like a lot of other stuff started happening. Like I would start having these, um, I don't know what you call them, but it was where you can't move when you fall asleep. Oh, it's sleep paralysis. Like the sleep paralysis. Yes. Yeah. I started having that where like there would be entities in my room. Like this was, my mind was going absolutely crazy. I was like completely losing it. So I thought, you know what? I got to have a change of pace. So. I texted this guy here in Las Vegas. I'm like, hey, I wanna become a real estate agent. And at the flip of the switch, I did that. I got my license. Took me eight tries to get my license, but I finally got it. Uh, I moved here and I was doing really, really well. I, was, I felt like I was kicking, you know, just really kicking it, uh, getting where I wanted to go. And then I had almost like a relapse. Hmm. And my mind like completely shut down. So what ended up happening is I went to Salt Lake and I met with this uh, lady there 
and she did a bunch of electrode stuff to my head where she was like shooting all these different electrodes into my into my brain that helped it know where to where to actually function at because i was having these panic attacks every single day i i no longer wanted to do anything uh but what i found out is that it was all in my mind where i was living in such fear which went all the way back to where i was from and i never dealt with that yeah so almost like ptsd it it was it was and it, it what ended up happening is it all came back and it all you know has a way of finding you again and then you have to deal with it or you well i mean you've you experienced a lot more and i would say a lot some some more of the negativity uh from the flds Mm -hmm. belief and some of the stuff you had to deal with right and right because luckily for me i never actually I, i never had to experience my family being torn apart down the middle like you mm-hmm. did right like and I, I never had to move a hundred times you know like <laughs> oh, just a, a random call in the middle of the night and say hey yeah. you guys have to move now and you just pick up your small bag and you're at, you're gone right and so i didn't have to deal with some of those things so i mean i i i mean i just i mean i'm just proud of you for you know for the hard yeah. work you put in to get past all of those things and and obviously to you know work hard at being successful again and thank you live your own. Yeah. yeah, live your own life and do what you uh-huh. want to do, and and because I can only imagine. I mean, I, I I dealt with a obviously I grew up there and I, I know some of the the things, but uh, there are some hard things. To, for me, the m- most difficult thing is is just being separated from family now. Now mm-hmm. that I moved out and and not being able to to be with them and that. But but uh, anyway, it's very well, admirable too to go and get the help that you need, and being able to do that takes a lot of like courage and strength. And so that's amazing that you were able to recognize that that's what you needed and to go make it happen. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, and and I think the the problem with a lot of people is they won't actually reach out when they need that help. Right. And and that's what I didn't do for a long time. And what I did is I would, I would stack guilt on top of guilt on top of guilt until mm-hmm. it was just crushing me to where I felt like. You know, I did some bad things, so now this is what I deserve. I deserve this stuff. Mm. And anyway, it, it creates a lot of chaos inside of you. And mm. but thank you for that. Uh, but but I feel like most people won't actually reach out when they need help. They don't it's, know it's what true. to do. They don't know where to go, and they have a lot of the their friends and family and all of that getting a lot of negativity or giving a lot of negativity to them for even reaching out. Like right. yeah. me, I have a picture of me hooked up to all these electrodes and everything. And I don't, I, you know, I would, I would love to share that. Like Good for I you. was in a very bad space. I Good was in a very you. bad spot. Yep. So yeah. me reaching out for help is actually what got me to, to, ha- to have the humility. Yes, exactly. And that's why yeah. I say congratulations on, on realizing, Hey, I can't do this on my own, mm-hmm. right? I need some help, and and it takes a, it takes humility to be able to to realize that and to take that step. So that's amazing, and, and honestly, I, I wish that that more people would feel that they could just reach out to someone, right? If mm-hmm. they're if they're in need. Yeah, and it's um, it's one of those things too that when you come from a situation like your guys's, that um, reaching out, like you said, like some you know people will have more support system, and when you mm-hmm. guys are also the part of the things that are causing you that PTSD and then yeah. you're, is, you're, you're also leaving your support system at the same time. Yeah. So it's like you don't have those family or friends to rely on. So mm-hmm. well, definitely, I'm going to look up some resources as well and put them in the description of this video so that if Perfect. any of you out there are um, needing someone to reach out to or, or anything like that and looking for a place to be able to find help with your own mental health, we'll put 
um, some resources for you because it's important for everyone to know that there are places for you to go and get help and be able to be happy and healthy. Everybody needs someone to talk to. That sure. that is a very much an understatement. And what I'll say too is is I do really enjoy helping people, and I love being like an advocate for mental health because I've suffered with it a lot. Like I'm not going to be shy in saying I was suicidal for a long time. Mm-hmm. And what I would say is is if anyone needs help, like even if I could help anyone, I would you know feel free to reach out to me. Yeah. Because Fantastic. I've been through that, and so I, I can kind of see the signs of it, and I know what you're going through. And sometimes all you need is someone to say, hey, yeah. you're worth this. You, you, you are worth this. And I feel like a lot of us want to feel like we're martyrs from that community, mm-hmm. where we we're, we'd tell people, oh, I would give my life for this. But why? You know, mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you live your life for you instead of trying to give it for something else that you don't even believe in? Yeah. yeah. So. It's awesome to see that you come to that point now, right? Thank you. I mean, because you've, I mean, you, how long has it been since you moved out? Four and a half years. Okay. It, see, it really hasn't been that not long. Not that long. No. And you've gone through all of these things you've just mentioned within those four and a half years. That's a lot of that, life experience in a short through. amount of time. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, so, and, and now, uh, how are things going for you? They're, they're actually going really good. Uh, so I moved here to Vegas to become a real estate agent, right? And, you know, I did a bunch of deals and, what I'm figuring out in, in life is you have to be consistent. It's something I've always lacked. As I Amen. Come, I like it. Amen. <laughs> like we could stop right there and, yeah. and just yeah. call it a day. But yeah. what's funny about it is I, I get to a point where I'm like, oh, I think I'm getting a little bit of success. And then I tone the dial down and I, I don't mm-hmm. do the things I know I've got yep. to do to be consistently successful. Yeah. So my advice to everyone is stay <laughs> consistent. Stay consistent. If you have a dream, stick with it. Yes. 100%. But it, it's great to see what you guys have built too. Like I, I look up to you guys. I admire you guys well, in thank you. what you guys have built. Because, you know, one of my, my dreams was to have a family, to even be able to afford a home to do all these things that I see you guys doing. So you guys are like the, the model family <laughs> of what to actually do. Well, thank you. So thank I, want, you. I want to just say thank you guys so much for, for having me on and for allowing me to express myself freely like you have. Of course. But I, I do look up to you guys a lot, Aww. and I hope you guys know that. Well, thank, thank you. you so much. We're so, ha- we're so happy <laughs> that you were able to come on and share your yes, story. And absolutely. we know that your story is going to be able to help and reach so many people. And... Yeah, just make a difference in people's lives and know that they can overcome and be able to get past that guilt and the shame and be mm-hmm. able to live happy, healthy lives. And 100%. Yeah. So thank you, Mantai. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And man, I'm just so happy to, to see that you are where you are in your life now and that you've worked through so many things. And uh, I think a lot of people look up to you for the... Thank so, you. Seriously, though, because of what you've been through and then uh, to be able to work through that, you know, that's not mm-hmm. an easy task, so... 100%. Well, thanks you guys so much. Thank you all so much. Thanks for watching and we will talk to y'all soon. We'll talk to you soon.